What's going on, everybody? I immigrated from Nairobi, Kenya in the early 90s and came to America at the age of 18 to start a new life. And I started a small business in the mid-90s, a few years after learning how to execute on the American dream that I had so longed for since I was a little boy. And I wanted to be a businessman my entire life. And in the early 2000s, I had the most difficult conversation with a customer that I've had to have in the course of my 30-year career. And at the time, it was with a commercial customer who owned a very large jewelry store in Atlanta, which was owned by three South African brothers who had hired me to install a $250,000 state-of-the-art burglar and fire alarm system. And I was the CEO of that uh, security company. And the owner of the jewelry business called me one day and asked if we could meet in Midtown as he wanted to talk to me face to face. And it was about an entry level technician at my company that had basically accidentally crossed a few wires against code, which is very bad. And when he accidentally set it off uh, one night on his way home, closing up his business, the police didn't show up. So you can imagine how upset he was. He was super upset. And it was a very quick meeting. Uh, The executive basically told me that he expected this uh, not to happen again and asked me to put the proper protocols and systems in place to make sure that uh, at one of our meetings. Then he says to me, Listen, the only way our company sees that we can go forward working together is if you fire the individual who actually did this. And it took me, oh, I'd say about a third of a second (laughs) to think about it. And I said, no, I can't do that. And I told him, I said, I had to be able to run my own business and make my own decisions about my employees. And he basically, at this point, had every ability to fire me and take away this business. But I stood my ground. It had to be my decision as to what the ramifications of that business transaction would be. Folks, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. He was a little surprised. And I think it was because he knew that his company represented about 30% of our total revenue at the time. Uh, which in dollars today would be roughly 1.2 million. And I think I was mentally prepared for them to fire us, but at the time I knew that we had just enough new business coming in that we could afford a year with no profit and also had enough saved up. So if we had lost money that year, I was willing to help bridge the gap if needed. And if we could weather that storm it would be a clear indicator to our employees as to what we really value. And this conversation was one of those interesting moments when you have to decide what you're going to stand for. So we scheduled a call the next day. I stood my ground. Uh, Very luckily, the, the customer did not fire us. And leaders, I tell you that story today because modern society's definition of a smart business decision is disproportionately predicated on analytics. Business leaders tend to find safety in like what I call the black and white. And we find safety in the academics and the math, the hard data, and what good looks like on a spreadsheet. But you know what's more difficult? 
It's actually harder to gauge the 30, 60, 90, 365 day effectiveness of empathy and kindness and self-awareness in any organization, but the results are going to play out. You watch. When you can eliminate fear from your place of work, from your organization, from your team, your business, very good things start to happen. And if associates don't have to spend their time trying to outmaneuver one another, trying to kill one another politically, they may actually achieve the task at hand. My friends, I don't know which 14-year-old boy in Georgia is going to invent the system to score this. Maybe it's going to be my son. But at some point... It will be mappable. You wait and see. The, this level of common sense and human truth is going to play out. When you've got big companies, especially um, so many decisions are predicated on 90-day numbers. You know what that is? That practice actually comes from Wall Street and business school, right? Where you're being judged every quarter on your performance. And it can lead to short-term behavior. Here's why. Even though many of us are still planning to be in business over the next 5, 10, 20, or even 50 plus years, the bias towards short-term metrics can also make emotional intelligence a nice to have rather than a requirement. Here's what I'm saying. It basically creates a scenario in where every single leader looks the other way when one employee makes everybody else in the office miserable or just because another salesperson happens to be bringing in the most revenue. What happens is it makes people think negative behavior and a poor EQ, which is emotional quotient, are just side effects of being good at business. The business world that I came into the late 90s actually put the black and white on such a pedestal. And you know what? At that time, being 18, 19, 20 years old, it really wasn't recognized that soft skills could be the key to building a successful company. I don't even recall hearing these traits being emphasized in the mainstream business community. As a salesperson, going door to door, knocking on doors every single day, seven days a week, the business was dog eat dog. This is an endeavor where only the strong survive. And you know what's funny about that? Ironically, I also believe that only the strong survive. I just believe that leaning into humanity, it's the actual strength that's going to help you survive and flourish. Not yelling at somebody else in a conference room. Not being a tough negotiator with aggressive words. To this day, I think the strongest person is somebody who's able to deploy kindness into the face of the opposite. I'm going to describe uh, what I call my golden nuggets um, and maybe the maybe another half other you know leadership ingredient through my speeches and my podcasts and my keynotes this year. I'll get to what the half means a little bit later. Now's not a good time. However, these are some of the traits that have led to my success and happiness over the years. And in addition to others that I'm, I'm observing and I'm watching and I'm admiring are gratitude, self-awareness, accountability, optimism, empathy, kindness, tenacity, curiosity, patience, conviction, humility, and ambition. The, the black and white, as I said, is still wildly important in your business, but in my opinion, it's a distant second to mastering soft skills. Ladies and gentlemen, I could not be more aware that there are probably 15 to 50 other ingredients that could make into this podcast this year. 
but a few of them have really stood out to me after seeing other leaders really fall short in deploying them and how that gap actually makes people around them feel. So many people in conference halls, so many people in uh, dinners and lunches and buses and flights would tell me stories of these in leadership ingredients that I'm talking about being neglected. One of the saddest things about human nature is that negativity is louder than positivity. It's been one of the driving forces of my entire life to make positivity louder. One of the reasons I've got a podcast and a YouTube channel, a Twitter account, a LinkedIn presence, a future book that I want to write, it's to cheer for those traits and put a spotlight on them in business. Nobody else is doing that. My greatest challenge, however, has been extracting these ingredients and actually articulating them. They're just not tangible, you see. They can't be tracked or measured on a spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> spreadsheet, sheep, <laughs> on a spreadsheet. This podcast is cathartic. That's the word of the day from Toastmasters, by the way. This is cathartic for me because it allows me to do what I can't on social media, given the fragmentation of my communication style. Let me explain. I think that humility is one of the biggest reasons for my success. Yet if you watch what my one of my one-minute videos of me ranting and pontificating with uncanny conviction around an opportunity within a TikTok video, you might say, bloody hell, this know-it-all, what the heck does he know? And as you'll find, you can be humble and curious, but also have conviction in your beliefs. It's not either or. So over the next few months, you're going to see me combine a ton of these golden nuggets and these leadership ingredients using the hashtag AskZareer into complete meals and show you how they can be used together when you face different challenges in business. For example, accountability and conviction a lot of times are seen as opposites to empathy and kindness. Those are traits that have more teeth. Traits like humility and conviction and ambition and patience and gratitude and accountability. Those might all be sort of looked at as opposites. My podcast this year is really going to help you understand how many ingredients that might seem like opposites actually do work together. If you've been there, done that, smash that like button. Let me know you know what you're talking about. I think developing these leadership ingredients individually is the starting point, but knowing how to cook the meal is the real takeaway. Even if you've had all of the ingredients in a solid place naturally, or you were lucky enough to have learned some of them by experience, you still have to know how to use them together. You still need to be the chef who cooks them. There's a time and a place for chicken tikka masala, but I wouldn't serve chicken tikka masala if I was planning a meal for 25 strict vegetarians from my Hindu friendship uh, community. Every dish you make needs to be made in the context of the situation that it's being served in. These traits have to be used in different mixtures in every single business scenario, and that's all I'm ever doing. Let's say that you're a store manager or a department supervisor and you're listening right now because you took one of my classes recently. You've just hired a kid who grew up on the other side of the tracks. 
he or she doesn't know the protocols for a fancy dinner with one of our merchants and you end up losing the deal as a result or losing a customer. Business is down for whatever reason. Your boss is getting on top of on top of you. His boss is getting on top of their boss. This is where you have to pull gratitude and accountability from the spice rack. I think it's important to remember to be thankful for even having the opportunity to be a leader or to uh, or to be a business owner and learn this new account. You show accountability by realizing that you're the one who hired that person but failed to properly train that person. And then all of a sudden, everything else becomes secondary. It is impossible for many of these leadership ingredients to work with our patience at the core. If you're baking a pie, patience is the crust. People have ambition and that contradicts patience, but I think patience is the path to your ambitions. People a lot of times don't achieve their ambitions because of their own insecurity. When you have the desperation to put wings on the board so that the audience claps for them, they end up taking shortcuts. It's hard for such people to build meaningful business because they're so focused on making a million dollars and buying clothes. They're buying boats, they're buying Teslas, other fancy dumb things without having cultivated patience. I think whatever you do professionally is normally going to be something that is gonna make up most of your life. So patience is a practical way to get your ambition. Lack of patience is a huge vulnerability and it's really led to more bad decisions than any other factor that I've ever experienced. As a leader, as a manager, you need patience as, uh, as you watch your employees, your associates, they're starting to develop, right? Many, many of my partners and hires didn't start out great in the role that they became best at. And most importantly, you need to be patient with yourself as you develop these leadership ingredients. I think those who think that they're running out of time, they're panicking and becoming vulnerable to bad decisions. When I was watching The Queen's Gambit one day on Netflix with my wife, I noticed as the, as the chess timer got lower and lower, players got more frantic. So I went and watched videos of the greatest chess players and I noticed the same thing. Their body language and decision making became more frantic and when time became part of the equation, panic started to set in. And I really believe, sorry about the noise out here, I'm uh, out uh, having a nice walk on the Saturday morning, ice cold. That's why you're hearing the background noise of traffic downtown, historic, beautiful day. Just uh, this is the audio experience. This is what it's all about. Anyways, I believe the majority of people starting in uh, building businesses don't have a good relationship with time. They misunderstand it. They're basing their choices and low probability, uh, probability events like getting hit by a bus. They forget that they live, they forget that they may live to 90 or 100 as a life expectancy increases. Patience is the thing that has kept me from dwelling on bad deals that I've made and allowed me to work in a family business when I wasn't making the salary. I could have been uh, making so much more money somewhere else. But it's what allowed me to take steps backward in the micro and macro without getting crippled by my own discouragement. I think I have a lot more time to play, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. 
Whether that's actually true or not, I feel an enormous amount of day-to-day happiness as a result of that belief. And I hope that you do too. And I hope this helps. Hit me up on Twitter at Zareer Marwanji when you get a shout, uh, when you get a chance, and give me a shout out, will you? I love you guys. I'm proud of you. Let's do this. Ooh, slow down, boy. <laughs>